You are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Thanks for tuning in. We're into the final stretch of the show. Some of you are very, very thankful, and uh, some of you are sad. Uh, this segment we call the Pub Crawl, where myself and a few pals crack open a few topics. And, uh, you know, sometimes we're talking about current affairs, pop culture, touchy-feely relational stuff. <laughs> um, this week on the Pub Crawl, it is my pleasure to reintroduce to you Chantel Deloge, immigration lawyer extraordinaire. The website is D-E-S-L-O-G-E-S dot C-A, Deloge dot C-A. Uh, to my left is uh, a philosophy professor who scares me a little bit as all professors and teachers do actually well, not me i don't scare you i don't i just can't see you as a teacher though that's okay i i wear a tie work. no i don't actually. you do not no, whatever I don't, I don't natalie evans a phd in philosophy a professor of media studies at university of guelph humber and a fellow at oxford center for animal ethics you can't, you got to stop taking courses, man. <laughs> I think I have, finally. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's the longest intro ever, really. And then there's Greg Paul from Sanctuary in Toronto. <laughs> Greg, did you ever go to school? No. <clears throat> no, school is uh, school for people who don't live in the real world. Wow. Oh, ouch. <laughs> he says to a philosophy professor and a lawyer. And a teacher. Uh, and a teacher, yeah. Oh, no, Greg. I'm, just, I'm just actually covering up my deep inadequacy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yep, that's that's what I would do. Actually, this is yeah. why Greg and I get along so well. We feel the same. No, Greg is founder of Sanctuary in Toronto and author of a couple of books you may have heard of, uh, Simply Open and God in the Alley. Uh, speaking of books, Natalie, tell us about the book that you came out with recently. Ooh, um, well, uh, it's part of a series that the Oxford Centre for Animal Ethics put out, so it's broadly focused on any kind of topic related to animal ethics. My book is, um, it's a little bit of a survey of other views of animal ethics. And then I'm trying to put forward the idea that animals are self-aware. So I talk a lot about like different capacities that animals have, like their intelligence, rationality, things like that. And then argue that if they're self-aware, then we ought to respect them uh, for being autonomous creatures that have choices. They want, they have preferences. They want to live certain ways. They don't want to live certain ways. Um, and that we ought to respect that. Okay, so I think somebody should write a book similar to that on millennials. <laughs> From animals to yeah. millennials. Well, they, have, they have the right to be alive and to have their own feelings. And they're self-aware. Self-aware. I mean, that's what, well, selfie, oh, that's wow. what selfie means, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're very self-aware. <laughs> I'm kidding, sort of. Um, okay, Greg... Chantel is here. She's an immigration lawyer. Natalie is here, uh, Oxford Center for Animal Ethics. And, of course, uh, you're the homeless guy. Um, well, actually, I have a home. Right. <laughs> yeah. but, but you hang out in this community, which, you know, as I hearken back to that time where I was impacted by hanging out in your community for, like, a couple of hours. And never came back. And <laughs> never came back. Because <laughs> it's really confronting, man. It really rattled me. Like, I didn't like crying in front of homeless people. It's not cool. Um, and you, every time you and I talk, you always challenge me in areas that I don't want to be challenging, which is why you're only on the show once in a while. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that. Do you get frustrated? We're going to get right into this, kids. Do you get frustrated when, you know, tree huggers like Natalie here wants the world to care more about animals than the homeless? Oh, hold on. You're, yeah, yeah that, that's putting words in my mouth. Right well, if, if, if that was the case, I'd probably be frustrated, but I'm sure that it's not the case. And, and 
to be serious about it, I, I mean, I, I think the whole continuum about caring well for animals or the environment generally, or refugees or homeless people, is all part of the gospel kingdom continuum, and and it's it's all part of um, the the, uh, the cosmos of justice that uh, that God is going to bring to pass at some point. Okay, you just dropped a kind of a weird phrase on us: gospel kingdom continuum. It sounds like a Christian punk band. Yes. <laughs> or the newest show on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. It might be more of a new age thing. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Like, pull that apart. What do you mean, gospel kingdom continuum? Well, so um, I'm kind of using the words gospel and kingdom the same way, but, but people understand a little differently. You know, when we're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to remember that, that all of the Gospels say that his essential message was, repent for the kingdom is near, the kingdom of God is near. In other words, you, you've been facing in the wrong direction, you're going the wrong way, stop and turn around, because the kingdom of God is right here, it's right close enough to touch. Um, it, he, he didn't mean, really, uh, that, uh, that it's going to happen someday. He meant it's right here, right here now. But, but we do also know that, that it's a long process. When we look around us, we realize there's a lot of stuff that does not look like the kingdom of God. So, um, so, so the kingdom is, is in process. And, and so there's a, there's a continuum in society now um, in which, uh, you know, at one end of it, you see um, radical injustice, and, and you hear people who are advocating for radical injustice of one kind, and then other people who are advocating for uh, for justice that, that sounds an awful lot more like the sort of things that Jesus talked about. So so that's one part of the continuum um, that's that's operating here in our world. But there's also aspects of, of the kingdom itself which exist on a continuum. So um, environmental justice, that is looking after the environment and the way that God called us to do, is is part of part of the whole warp and woof of, of the story of of uh, that's told to us through the Bible, and and so we're supposed to look after stuff, and then then at another end of it, it's about actually actually engaging with yes with people who are homeless. Okay, the question that that I'm posing to this group, because you know there are I think there there's there are extreme arguments in in all of these areas, and Chantel in your area there are those, and maybe you're one of them. I don't know. But from, you know, from the Jesus Kumbaya point of view, it's like there should be no borders. Everybody should be able to go wherever they want. And it's sort of that hippie thing. And then from your point of view, Natalie, you know, there are people that literally are saying, and I don't think you're saying this necessarily. I don't know. Maybe you are. That we not only do we need to be treating animals better, we need to stop eating them. And we should all be vegans. And we should stop putting money into you know, testing on animals and maybe test on humans. I don't know. You know, that kind of, right? There's extremism there. And then with with Greg's uh, crowd, there are certainly those that are very boisterous about, about, well, listen, if you're a God person, you need to open your door and let homeless people go live, like invite them in, live with you. That's what Jesus would do. Let homeless people live with you. Um, Greg, well, hold on, i got to go to Greg just for a second. Sorry, girls. Greg, is that an extreme view, or is that actually a, Jesus, a legit Jesus thing? Well, actually, Jesus did, did the reverse of that. Jesus didn't have homeless people come and live with him. He actually went and lived with the homeless people. I mean, he didn't have a place to lay his head, right? So, um, uh, again, I, I think 
if, if we're serious about listening to what Jesus says, uh, we're going to be challenged all over the place. So, so Jesus says, for instance, to, to a guy who's rich, and, and I'm speaking as a guy who's rich myself as I say this, he says to a guy who's rich, you want to inherit the kingdom of God, then, then go sell everything you've got and uh, give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Um, and I hear that, and I'm continually challenged by that, because I have not done that and don't plan on doing it. Um, <laughs> and, but, but, but I have to wrestle with what does that actually mean, you know? And then another, another, at the other end of that continuum is, is uh, the instructions of the king in Proverbs, where, where um, the writer says to the king, Look, enjoy your palaces and your gold and all that stuff, but don't forget about the poor, because that's really why you're king. And, and then in the middle of that is, is, the, is other parts of the teaching of Jesus, where he says to us pretty clearly in Matthew 25, for instance, that, that uh, caring for people who are hungry, thirsty, uh, foreigners, naked, in prison, um, uh, sick, that, that caring for those people is caring for him, and that's what defines the people who actually get into the kingdom. So, uh, so I think what's really clear is that if we are people of means and privilege, that if we really want to follow Jesus, we at least have to be hanging around with the people who are at the center right. of the kingdom of right. God. Right. And the people who are at the center of the kingdom of God are not churchgoers, the usual churchgoers, they are people who are poor in spirit. And what that means is people who are spiritually bankrupt and, and people who are materially poor. Okay, so I want to go to Chantel here. As North Americans, as Westerners, but as North Americans, Canadians, we are seen as um, as rich. Compared to most of the world, we are rich. We are. Even, yeah. even those that are living below the poverty line are rich compared to those below the poverty line, or those that are just living in somewhere else, right? Absolutely. Or another place. Yep. So if that's the case, then, uh, you know, should people of faith, I'm going to reiterate the question again, should people of faith be rallying for uh, massive immigration reform, so much so that the gates are wide open, come on in, kind of thing? No. Absolutely not. Uh, as usual, uh, you know, the answer always lays somewhere in the middle. It's not on either end of the extreme. It doesn't mean we close the borders. It doesn't mean we open them completely. You have to strike a balance. Right. If I thought that opening Canada's borders would solve the world's pro poverty problem, then my opinion might be different, but it wouldn't. And we have we have to think as well of the, the, the things that people love about Canada, like our public health care system, the fact that we have a social safety net, those kinds of things which most people agree are, are a good thing when done in balance. They'd be decimated if they the would borders be were, were absolutely Exactly. Exactly. So it, it's realistically not not achievable. It should not be advocated. And we also can't be Pollyanna about it either. I mean, we have to accept the the uh, fact that there are some nasty people in the world who should not be allowed into our country. We do have to screen people. We do have to be careful. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't we should never let that go. How did Tim get in the country? That's what I want to know. Tim, I, I was born. Oh, right. You were born here. OK. Right. Sorry. I triggered when you said nasty people. Um, <laughs> Tim, as a tree hugger. Uh, yes. Um, a liberal person. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about this issue right now? Which one? Well, because I think you've said to me, we should have open borders and everybody should come no, in. No, I never said open borders. I think, you know, within reason. 
you know, when you've got people in Syria, you know, the Rohingya um, uh, Muslims in, in Bang, you know, c- trying to get into Bangladesh, you know, we make up all these reasons not to let them in. Right. And I think we need to be very careful about that because oftentimes they're the ones who desperately need us most. There are people scamming the system. Absolutely. It's like every time teachers go on strike, you're all lazy. No, we're not. Mm. There's a couple that are. <laughs> You know, like all lawyers, you know, what's the, that joke, you know, what do you call yeah. 500 lawyers at the bottom of the ocean, a good start? That's yeah. not it's not exactly applicable right. because there are some, one, you know, there are a couple bad apples. But to, to keep them all out, it, to me, it just seems wrong. Okay. It's wise to be... What would your tree-hugging wife, who makes you look like a consumerist fascist. jerk... <laughs> fascist. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, um, what would she think about uh, the treatment of animals and the... And the and, and how that uh, people of faith need to be better at not eating bacon. I think one of my favorite shirts I ever saw was uh, "Meat is murder, tasty, tasty murder." <laughs> Seriously? Yes. I've seen those bumper stickers. Yes. Have you seen those? <laughs> wow. Once again, it's you know, I know myself physically. I I don't do well with um, grains and and breads and stuff like that. I actually my my body doesn't you drink react beer. well. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, you, you're not there with me afterwards. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Um, and I, and I, I find when I eat meat, I feel physically the best. That's just how I think really? a lot of people are very different. Natalie, what do you think about that? Now, okay, here the spotlight is on Natalie, finally. Oh, boy. Well, with- can I explain? Like, I'm, I am trying to cut out grains from my diet just for the way I think I am. Can we get and past I, your bodily functions for a second? And then um, I give myself one day off a week. And I feel like crap every day, even though I'm loving, you know, the sugar and the breads and all that stuff coming in. By the end of the day, I'm like, ugh. Great, thanks. Okay, let's go (laughs) to Natalie now. And uh, Natalie, have you made a conscious choice yourself? And by the way, let me just throw you under the bus a little bit here. Mm -hmm. You know, Natalie grew up in the Jesus scene, but, you know, you wouldn't consider yourself part of the whole thing, really. Like, you don't brand yourself as a raving evangelical lunatic like like Greg Paul, right? (laughs) Oh, wait a second. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) right. Hold on. Don't tag me with that nasty evangelical stuff. <laughs> no, you don't sound like that no. at all. Um, I'm a raving, I'm a raving lunatic Christian. Okay, a, all right, oh, there all right, you go. Right, right. <laughs> so, have you stopped eating meat? Oh yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, because of your convictions yeah. that animals have feelings too. Oh, here we go. <laughs> the touchy feely stuff. Yes. Well, I think that's. I don't think it's just touchy feely. I think that's sort of my point too. When we talk about the capacity to suffer. That isn't something that it just humans have, right? So it depends how you look at it. I mean, some people, people draw lines all over the place, right? Animals can't talk. Some philosophers thought, well, they can't talk, so that means they can't reason. And there's all these ways of categorizing animals. And I think in Christianity, there's been a long tradition of always saying, like, humans are special creations, right? special part of creation right animals and nature kind of get lumped together and then you know there's the whole dominion over nature and then there's been movements to say no we should be more like stewards but i think a lot of people just don't don't quite want to see past the fact that if if so for example even thinking about jesus and i've read a lot of you know christian theologians that argue in favor of vegetarianism and stuff like that and they say, like, if, if Jesus was really telling us uh, to be compassionate towards those who suffer and those that are innocent and things like that, then it has to include animals. Because hmm. it's been shown, I mean, through through psychology, science, neuroscience, biology, there's all these 
there's really no way to avoid it other than to say that they suffer. Do they suffer more or less? Sure, I'm not worried about crushing an ant when I want, you know, drive into the garage. Listen, I, you know I want to get extreme on these questions. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right? I want to go and to the some extremes. people do. Some people do. Uh, I think that for me, I spend a lot of time researching, and I believe that there is a little. There are more complex forms of of feeling and intelligence in some species, and less complex forms. So I think that corresponds to certain kinds of suffering as well. I think. The kingdom idea is really interesting because that came up uh, when I was doing research, and I kind of argued that there's a philosopher, Christine Korsgaard, and, and based on Immanuel Kant, she talks about the kingdom of ends, right, that was envisioned by Kant, where autonomous people and creatures would all treat each other as you'd like to be treated, and it was like based on justice and autonomy of individuals and things like that. So I tried tried to argue, and I still think, that if animals have the capacity to not only to suffer, but they have interests in flourishing as well, right? Living well, living good lives, things like that, then I think they should be considered part of that kingdom. So I just, you know, and I think with eating them, obviously, I don't go around telling people like, I can't believe you just ate a steak. I mean, I, I was, I, I have an English family, so it's all roast beef on Sunday and right. stuff like that. But, um, but I think, I think it's avoidable suffering. And I think that's really key too. I think, it's, you know, and I, I understand like food is very cultural and it's a really powerful kind of thing, yeah, right, to, yeah. to eat um, certain things. But I also think that um, in our society anyway, many places around the world, it's maybe not viable. Like it's, you know, people talk about, well, what if you were stuck and you had to survive? And I'm like, then I'd eat anything. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a silly question. Um, but I think when it's avoidable, you, you can avoid causing suffering. Then I don't think... I think we're obligated to do that when we can. Man. So what about fish? Uh, fish has been an interesting question because the past, I don't know, maybe five years or so, there has been a pile of research coming out about fish. Can they feel? Do they get scared? Uh, you know. Well, obviously do because you see them running away That's from right. sharks. You and see whales. them running yeah. away, do you? Sorry, well, swimming. fighting too. Like if <laughs> yeah. you you know you hook them on a line, they're going to fight to get away. Yeah. And I think that's a clear indication they don't want to be dragged out of the water with a hook. So, so I mean, reminds me of my dating. Life. <laughs> Well, that's a whole other. No, issue. You're, the, you're the one that got away, Drew. <laughs> oh yeah, baby, that's uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, what, I, this? what are we? We're in the studio, We're live yeah, on the it. line. That's right. Yeah, uh, you're listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're in the middle of the pub crawl, and that's where we uh, normally crack open a few topics. But there's really only one sort of, I don't know, summarizing thing here that we've been chatting about uh, with Natalie Evans, uh, PhD philosophy uh, professor of media studies at University of Guelph Humber. Speaking of that, what are your students like? <laughs> Is that? Yes, I am directly referring <laughs> some to the one in the room. <laughs> to, to your student in the corner who freaked uh, out that you were coming here today. And, and she also said, the nicest person ever. Okay, okay. Is okay. that because your paper isn't done yet? Is that why you're freaking out? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, all right, all right, all right. Anyway, um, Natalie is also a fellow at Oxford uh, Center for Animal Ethics. And Greg Paul's on the line. He's the founder of Sanctuary in Toronto, and he's the author of Simply Open and God in the Alley. And sorry, Natalie, the name of your book is called again? Oh, what's it called? I don't know. <laughs> animal Ethics and the Autonomous Animal Self. Wow. I know. It's a fancy name. I know. Wow. Some brownies need to be eaten after that book. <laughs> uh, Chantel Deloge. <laughs> <laughs> Chantel Deloge, of course, here in studio as well, immigration lawyer extraordinaire. Um, Chantel, have you ever had 
God people say stuff to you about the world of immigration uh, that drives you nuts? Yeah, the, the one thing is the Islamophobia that you get. Um, unfortunately, um, there is an element within Christian society that uh, hates Muslims, hates, you know, I, I, it, it gets expressed. I mean, if you ask them, they would never say that. But you can tell by the way that they talk that they're absolutely terrified of Muslims. They are, uh, you know, there's a lot of hatred there. Hmm. And I, I find it, it's really appalling. I mean, how you can sort of, you can profess to believe the Bible and yet at the same time have a lot of hatred and fear in your heart for other people. But it, this, is a, this is a Christian country, Chantel, and it was founded on Christian principles in the Bible. And, and if those people want to come here with their religion and act that way that their religion does, then we should stop them from coming. Anybody else want that? Can I just mention something here? This this country was founded, (laughs) the country of Canada was actually founded on a colonial model in which Christian people came and abused the people who were already here. So um, maybe we should think about that. I think Bruce Coburn said it the best. They tried to build a new Jerusalem, but ended up with New York. Huh. That 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 sums things up. I actually like what Greg said better. Yeah, because Greg's smarter than me. (laughs) And he lives with the homeless, and I eat meat. Yes. Well, I mean, I I think Christians really need to remember that, right? That this this was not fundamentally a Christian country. This is a country in which Christians came, and and, uh, not not all of them, but, but by and large, Christians came, and in the name of Christianity even if it was actually really about capitalism and the name of Christianity, they, they stole a country and, and abused generations and generations and generations of indigenous people. So um, that's really how we've ended up here and ended up in power here. And so that, that, that should really inform our feeling about uh, other refugees, I think. Well, the, the other thing is that when it comes to discussion of freedom of religion, I think people need to be really careful before they go advocating that other people should not be able to exercise their religious rights, because someday that might be you in that position, it's and you're be. not the majority anymore, and you're going to want to exercise your religious freedom. So yeah. if it's good for us, it's good for everyone. But what about Sharia law? Yeah, Sharia law is totally non-compliant with our Constitution in Canada. Uh, as long as our Constitution stands and we have courts to uphold it, that is never going to happen here, ever. I heard a Muslim woman once speak that Sharia law is actually, you have to obey the law of the land as well. There's, a, there's an element within it that, that the fundamentalists, the extremists, have, have taken out of context. I don't know if that's a fact or not, but it wouldn't surprise me. Okay. People love to interpret things through their own lens. Oh, yeah, I love it. Greg, have you ever come across somebody that has really pitted the whole, you know, let's take care of animals before humans thing? Has that ever actually come into your world at all, ever? No, I don't. I don't think it's ever come into my world. Not not that directly. Although my my brother who lives in England tells me that the uh, best funded um, charity in England is the Donkey Sanctuary. What a bunch of. <laughs> 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 I donate to them. Oh, you do not. Are you kidding me? Chantel yeah. is a donator. And my parents yeah. donate to like the Turtle Trauma Center and they Are you yeah, kidding me? Marmots yeah, so in Vancouver this, and This is a real real English thing actually that that uh, they they make huge donations to uh animal welfare stuff and and much less so to human welfare. So you know, I think, uh, you know, at some level, there's some of us who, who probably identify more with our pets than we do with people who 
uh, are culturally and economically uh, at a significant remove from us. Especially donkeys. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, Benny Hinn is one, and Jesus yeah. rode in on one. So there you go. What was that noise? That was a really bad... Uh, yeah. Okay. That was a horse. Yeah, I think well, that was more a horse. It's <laughs> like some <laughs> demonic zombie <laughs> creature. Um, Natalie, um, I think when push comes to shove, specifically I want to talk about you know tax dollars and budget and money because that's when where you put your money is really that's a trigger point for a lot of people and so if there's a choice between putting money towards saving the animals versus homeless people and you have to choose right i know it's an extremist question and it's it's you know stupid radio stuff <laughs> but that is what isn't that where this the rubber hits the road kind of a thing? No, I don't. I don't think it does. I don't think it comes down to that. I think. I think we always think that in these opposites that don't actually exist. Um, so I think you know. I, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about this. I think of like if you think of the animal agriculture industry, right? Yeah. Huge, like absolutely huge. North America, massive. So, I mean, really, if you cut down on that, you'd actually be saving money. You'd be saving. Well, the world, as in environmental, you know, global warming, climate change. Yeah, because pollution. cow, cow uh, farts are killing us. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> they're one of the leading causes of methane in the atmosphere, leading to global warming. So, and the runoff from the farms and the yeah. like, it's it's really quite devastating. So, I actually think it's funny. I, I gave a paper this summer. And it was on this the seal um, hunt in Canada, right? The for pelts, and I read a couple of economic analyses of the hunt, and it's completely, it's terrible economics. Hmm. It doesn't make any money anymore. But it's like this old one of those things where oh, we gotta you know gotta keep it going. The government keeps supporting it, and it's like it's just not viable economically. So I don't think we have to worry so much about like do we have to save humans or save animals. I think. We can do both. I think we can eliminate suffering of both. And I don't, it's like people saying with rights, they often think that giving or recognizing rights of a certain group means reducing rights of someone else. Yeah. I think that's why when you're saying Islamophobia, it's almost like, oh, if we respect the rights of them, somehow Christians have lost their rights. But it's not. It's it's not like there's only this many rights and, you know, you divvy them up and then you're out of rights. It's, it's not pie. Exactly. <laughs> it's not exactly. Pie. It's not pie. So I think of but that way is. with animals, too. I think, you know, you can... Thank you. Um, Greg, so can you just concisely answer this question for me? Is there such a thing as caring too much? And I'm talking about having healthy boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. Is there such a thing as ca can you care too much? No. You wanted concise. He, he has no, my too. question was concise. I wanted more <laughs> answer than that. Do you really think so? Do you think that they're, they're – like I'm thinking about uh, – well, you pos you posited it with healthy boundaries and everything. So, yeah. I, you know, I, let's go back to what we're just talking about. Take animals, refugees, and homeless people, and you've got a dollar to spend. What are you going to do with it? This are, is what I'm you, yeah. So, so what are you going to do with it? You, you, you're not going to spend the entire dollar in any one of those groups. Not if you're a sensible thinking person. That's what stewardship is. You know, stewardship is taking the resources that you have and using it in the most thoughtful, just, and and um, beneficial way fruitful way that, that you possibly can and so so the, uh, caring is is similar to that so um caring like in, in my case I, i've been doing what i've been doing for a long long time for decades and and if i don't care well for myself 
uh, I can't continue to care well for my brothers and sisters who are homeless and struggling with addictions and etc. Um, you know, the, the fact that I've been able to do it for decades is because of, of found ways of, of actually living well. Hmm. And, and because I've found ways of living well, I can receive good stuff from my friends who have very little. And, and so, and, and so they can continue also to re- receive something from me. So, um, uh, somebody else has kind of made the point that it's not a zero sum game. It's not like you spend everything here and then all of a sudden you're, you're out. The more you care for people, uh, if you're caring well for people and caring well for, for uh, everybody in your life, including yourself, the more your capacity to care is what I would say. You have to be intelligent about it, too, about the way that you demonstrate that caring. I mean, if you go out and you expend all of your energy so that you're not good to anybody anymore, then have you really cared? You know, the way you've demonstrated it has not been effective for anyone. Like you said earlier about, you know, inviting a homeless person in to live with you. Well, I mean, the issue of homelessness is so much more complex than just the sole issue of housing. I mean, if only that would solve the problem, I would say yes. But it's so, like, there's layers, right? So how do we be the change that we want to see in the world? Oh, I just dropped a Gandhi quote. Um, because I forgot all my Jesus quotes. Uh, how do we be? How do we be the change? Love each other as I have loved oh, you. Oh, right, that, there's that, that works. one. That yeah. Works. How do you? How do we be the change? Uh, isn't that all about doing the one thing or the two things that you can do? Doing the one thing that you can do. So, for example, when I was living in Australia, there was a guy who was sleeping out behind the church. And I was like, well, duh, if anybody should be taking care of this guy, it should be the, the people that are whose property he's sleeping on. So I befriended him and hung out and chilled and whatever. And he wanted to stay in his tent. And he had his dog, you know, you know had, couldn't get anywhere because he had a dog. Et anyway, long story shorter, I said, well, why don't you come stay in the spare room in the house? And man, did I get in trouble for doing that? Because the thinking was, you got a wife and kids and you're inviting some stranger into your house. That is a dopey thing to do. There's other ways to do this. But, you know, I I don't know. You know, that was like me trying to affect change one person at a time. And how that applies to immigration, frig, I don't know. How it applies to homelessness and mental illness and and boundaries and being smart about your resources and your time and and uh, and then now we're into a whole well I'm into a whole rant about missionaries going off into areas of the world where you're going to get killed or abducted or raped or beheaded why the heck are you bringing your kids there you moron well the lord will protect me holy jump and I have a problem with that hmm. <sighs> that's the you end know, of the, Brett, my show Brian Walsh um, has written a book called Beyond Homelessness and uh, and he addresses home in a very, very broad terms. He's, he's a really brilliant guy, and, and uh, the book is brilliant because it, it starts talking about the earth as our home, and and, and that the idea of, of homelessness uh, actually is, is fundamental to the ideas of justice that we've been talking about. So when we talk about bringing refugees in, into the country, we don't actually just want to bring refugees in the, into the country and abandon them. We want to bring them in and actually create some kind of home. When we talk about um, about animal rights or, or uh, just treatment for animals, what we're talking about is is creating a, a sense of of safety, security, a sense that the sense of belonging that that animals actually have some some kind of home themselves and, because they and, have an awareness of that is what you're saying, Natalie, right? Sure, sure. And and so when we're talking about homeless people, we're we're actually um, 
so, so the prophets do say, bring the poor homeless one, the poor wanderer into your home. And I, I've done that, too, on multiple occasions. And frankly, it hasn't worked very well. Yeah. hasn't worked very well for the homeless people that, brought, that I brought in. But I don't think it was, uh, in most cases, but I, do, I don't think it, was, uh, it wasn't worthwhile doing that. What I think is much more important, though, is that we put time and energy into the creation of homes that will make sense for people who are homeless or people who are coming as refugees from war-torn countries, um, that, that we actually try to create some measure of, of home that, has, that, that makes sense to those, those people. So, you know, we have two houses at Sanctuary that are that are homes. The people they're not rooming houses. The guys who live in those well and, and women who live in those houses live together as essentially a created family unit and it and they share space the way any family would. Um, so we've tried to create a create homes that actually work. And, and I think that's part of our stewardship. And that's mm-hmm. part of our, our kingdom uh, kingdom work. And and this is this is where the church really ought to be living. You know, the churches ought to be not just reaching out and doing some good stuff for, for homeless people or refugees, but they, they actually ought to be saying, um, this is what we're about. This is who we ought to be. We ought to be people who, who are creating community around people who are newcomers or people who are homeless or people who are um, single mothers or, or, or uh, people who are living um, in poor environmental conditions. You should have a radio show, eh? <laughs> no, but I'll tell you, I shouldn't, and here's why. Because oh. we everybody's laughing away, and as soon as they start to talk, everybody stops laughing. I've noticed this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so much to be said right there right now. I'm just going to leave it alone because this happens to me a lot as well. As soon as I start talking, it goes the other way. People start laughing because I'm trying to be serious. Um, Greg... <laughs> First of all, are you okay? Are you all right? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm fine. I've I've been battling a cold for a few days. Battling. So sorry about the hacking. That's okay. That's all right. As long as it's not phlegmy, that's all we care about. Although it probably does need to get broken up, as my mom used to say. You know, she put that yeah. Vicks vapor rub on the on my on my chest. Ugh. We, can, we can probably just move straight through that conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The best oh. of those white plastic things that you shove up your oh, nose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was that Vicks? Inhaler. Yeah, Vicks, Vicks inhaler. Yeah. Yeah. I used to use those in football just to wake up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always felt no. sorry for the Flemish people. Like, really? Imagine okay. That's your name, well, right? Let's move along. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, Chantel, a final little... Uh, I don't know. What I'm trying to say here is I'd like all three of you to have a little air time to, to have people be aware of what you're doing. And, and because you're, you're invited on the show because I, not just because I like you all, but because you're actually doing things I think matter. So, Chantel, uh, the website is deloge.ca, founder and senior partner of Deloge Law Group, specialist in citizenship, immigration, and refugee law. And it's $300 for an initial consult, right? Right. And at that point, you'll know whether you have a case or not, and you can make your decisions accordingly. And you will tell them at the end of it, no, it's not going to work. Don't spend any more money with us. It's not going to work. Correct. We've done the research. We've looked at this. We've looked at it really hard. It's not going to work. Stop spending money on this. And actually, I love to tell people if they don't need me. I'll just say to them, you know what? You don't need me. Good. I love giving that advice. Deloge.ca. Greg Paul, um, tell me about your crappy kitchen at Sanctuary. Yeah, so we have a kitchen that we estimate has served um, probably 350,000 meals since we uh, since we 
sort of renovated it in the first place. It's had one little update, and uh, and it's getting tired. So um, there's a way that people can support us. We can we can raise fifty thousand dollars to uh, to renovate our kitchen, which will continue to serve about twenty five thousand meals a year to to people who are homeless and street involved. Um, and and people can support it without actually even having to give money. There's a there's an insurance company called Aviva. And they have an Aviva Community Fund, um, and uh, and you can actually Google that Aviva Community Fund, and uh, and if you go to that website and then in their search you put in Sanctuary Kitchen, it'll take you a place where you can register and you can vote for for us or other projects up to eighteen times, and if we win the voting process will uh, will actually get 50,000 bucks to renovate our kitchen. Okay, so, that's really cool. Take you about 5 minutes to do that. Oh, I don't have that much time. Uh, where do where, where do they where, honestly where do we go? Send us to the right place to make this happen right now because if it goes out of our brain today it, it's not going to happen. We need to go where and vote for you how? Google Aviva Community Fund. Okay. And and then search Sanctuary Kitchen. Done. On, on that website. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. And finally, my very good friend, Natalie, who used to be my babysitter, Thomas Evans. I don't know. what is. How many names do you have? <laughs> I'm trying to get back to Thomas desperately. <laughs> That's a good British name from back in the day. Anyway, um, you are actually somebody, I th- because here's the weird, creepy part. When I Googled you, the thing that came up was ratemyprofessor.com. Oh, great. And everybody stinking loves you. Can I get an amen from your student? Oh, yeah. See? <laughs> Even one of your kids is here today, and why? What is with you? Why do people dig know. you so much? I don't know. Like you're not, you're not selling anything. You don't have a website. No, no. I just I, I don't know. I think. Oh, I don't know. Uh, you don't actually don't have to answer that. No, question. No, I really don't know how to answer that question. I'm, I'm fumbling around here. Well, I'm very appreciative of you because you have that background in the in the God scene, and you also have moved forward uh, towards this you know, whole animal ethics thing and philosophy stuff. And you you have such a balanced view of things that, can I actually buy your book? Can I get your book somewhere? Sure, it's really expensive. (laughs) Is it like a a text book? It's not necessarily a textbook, but I just, it's, you know, it doesn't, they don't do huge, it's not like a mass paperback right? right so so they tend to be a little pricier but where do i get i'll it? bring you a copy oh, no I'm it's trying. on amazon okay it's on amazon all right yeah. and what's it called again animal ethics and the autonomous animal self wow i know it's a mouthful i love it, I love it. your wife should get that book oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have a dog at home so we, okay. we get Close it enough. hey greg i'm gonna let you go because i gotta do a little homework but these two girls have to stay in the studio uh i don't know why could just it's easier to hang up in you is what i'm saying so yeah well i i feel the same brother so <laughs> been good talking to you and great uh, sharing some time with Chantal and Natalie. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, Greg. See you, man. Bye-bye. Is he not good? He's just... He's way too smart. Gold stuff, man. That is the end of our show. Thank you. If you missed any of today's show, just follow us on Facebook and Twitter and now Instagram. Thanks to Alex the Intern. And we'll let you know when each interview from today is loaded onto iTunes, SoundCloud, or our website, drewmarshall.ca. And we'll eventually get some live video streaming as well here in the studio. Bye-bye. 